Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Right, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for having me here. Thank you, Mark, for trusting me to be here this morning. Uh, I've enjoyed my time here at Australia, possibly my second last Sunday. Uh, I've been around the, around the country because of OCA work uh, and, for, and get to spend my last two weeks here uh, in Brisbane. And I'm so really grateful uh, to be there, and especially on an Easter Sunday, something that we celebrate all around the world. Uh, and so if you can open your Bibles up to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8. Shail told me I have 10 hours, yeah, but I unfortunately see a clock over there, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep it down. All right, I'll start reading from verse 8 to verse 11. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, because of the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Here, Asia is not the modern continent Asia. It was just Turkey at that time, but feels uh, connecting as well. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired for life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on your behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Can we just close our eyes and pray? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you as we celebrate and even as we heard Mark share that it's not something for the future or the past, but what we celebrate has its significance today. And we pray that you would soften our hearts, your spirit would work through us as we hear your word and be more and more like you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, normally when we think of Paul, you know, Paul is someone who has gone through a lot of suffering. Uh, you know, if, if there was, there's Jesus and then there's Paul who has, and he describes it in detail right through, especially in the book of 2 Corinthians. In fact, one of the reasons why he writes this letter is to write to the church, convincing them because they've thought that he's gone through so much of suffering, he must truly not be a true apostle. So one of the reasons he is writing this letter is to say, no, it's part of the gospel and how God is using it. Uh, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. You don't need to open up to that, but it talks about how, uh, how the, he summarizes the suffering that he went through. And so this is what Paul says. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. 
when you just hear the summary of what Paul went through, you just, it just sort of thing that we, most of us have got it quite easy uh, when you think of what he has gone through. And right through the book as well, uh, he also starts talking about responses of how he has responded or how God has responded to him uh, in these sufferings. Uh, and in the book of Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, there are two ways uh, that he initially talks about. The first one, which comes a little after in chapter 12, which where he's suffering from the thorn in the flesh. Some of us have heard a bit about that. And in response to the thorn in the flesh, Paul says, uh, you know, the grace of God has been sufficient for me. So he's, he's gone to the grace of God at the time of, su of such a suffering, and he said, you know, that has been su sufficient for him. He says, three times I've pleaded with the Lord to take, away, take this away from me, but he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. So one response that Paul has had to suffering and the pain and the hardships that he has gone through is to go to the grace of God. Another one is the comfort of God. In fact, just before we, the passage that we just read, the verse, the chapter, the, the paragraph before that talks about this. And here Paul talks about how at times when we go through hardship and trouble and suffering and struggles, uh, it's the comfort of God that sustains us and that, that, that continues to be with us. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So the grace of God and the comfort of God are two ways that most of us actually respond to suffering. You know, when we are going through difficult circumstances in our prayers, in the way we pastor or care for others, or when we just think, you know, God, give us your grace, give us your comfort to get through this, to just get through this time. Lord, give us the strength to get through this time. If you think of... Uh, our troubles and our burdens, like a big load that we would have to carry. Um, sometimes it looks a bit like this, and we, you know, we just get on. We just get on with life. We carry it on our backs, and we move forward, however difficult it is. Sometimes we have innovative ways of getting through it, uh, and sometimes, you know, it gets a lot, but we just manage. You know, say, God, help us, give us the grace, and God gives us the grace and the comfort to get through it. Sometimes. It looks a lot easier than it is. You know, it, looks, it, it may seem overwhelming to us, but actually it's quite light. You know, God says your burden and is quite light. And so this is just thermocol that he's carrying uh, with him. It may not be that heavy. It looks huge, but actually it is. You know, God says, gives us the grace. He says, you can move forward. Sometimes he gives us innovative ways, you know, to manage it across in this way and, you know, put it um, in, uh, change the center of gravity and gives us the grace and innovative ways to manage our suffering and our struggles and our problems. By the way, these are all real pictures. This is normal life uh, in Asia. So do not be uninformed about the troubles we face <laughs> in Asia. This is quite normal. Uh, sometimes he sends along friends and the church and people to help us uh, to, to, when it gets really difficult. He, we, we, don't, we can't receive comfort from ourselves. But he sends along friends, our pastors, our leaders, uh, our parents, our family, just to comfort us and take us through this difficult, uh, the difficult hardships that we are facing. Sometimes it gets too much. You know, sometimes it just gets too much. And we think that, you know, we'll get along. We will manage. And we'll get along and we'll manage. And this is what happens. We go forward thinking, yeah, we'll manage. We'll manage. We'll manage. We'll manage. <laughs> we'll manage. But uh, it doesn't always happen. 
And so sometimes there are the struggles and the comfort and the hardships that we go through that are manageable. And we can say, God, we need your grace and your grace will be sufficient for me. Sometimes there are struggles and hardships we go through and say, God, we can come to your comfort. And God says, yeah, I'll give you comfort and I'll help you through that. But sometimes, and Paul goes on to describe a certain type of struggle or a difficulty or a pain or hardships that is beyond that. And he says, in this occasion, we were under great pressure. And the word actually here is great literally responds as exceeds or surpasses the ability to handle. It's far beyond our ability, far beyond our power to handle uh, such, a, a, and such a thing. It almost feels like life itself has gone. We felt we have received the sentence of death. Now, obviously, here, he, it's not sometimes the actual sentence of death that the government may have passed over Paul, maybe, but it also could just be it was so much of pressure, so much of difficulty that he felt like this was the end. You know, this is the end of death. And sometimes it's a bit like this. This is the last one for you. And it goes, and there you go. And we just collapse. You know, and sometimes life feels like that. Life feels like that, and it... It's end. You know, there's, there's nothing moving forward, and we can't go anymore. No, no amount of awareness of the comfort of God or the grace of God can help us to sustain and to move forward at this moment. Uh, in other words, the situation is just dead. In other words, there's nothing beyond it. And that's what Paul felt. He, Paul felt that aspect of here. And this time, he does not call out to the comfort of God, this time, he doesn't call out to the grace of God, but this time, he calls out to the God who raises the dead. He calls out to the power of God, which is the resurrected power of God, which he calls out to him. In this circumstance, Lord, yes, I know there are times when your grace is sufficient for me. I know there are times when your comfort is enough for me, but this is not one of those times. This is one of those times when none of that's working. I need you to get me out. I need you to get me out of this situation. I need you to deliver me. The God who raises the dead. This was not something new for Paul. Right through Israel's history, they experienced, and when, when we look at Abraham's own life before, we see that he responded like that in two key occasions of his life. The first time was when his body was dead, his wife's womb was dead, but yet he looked back and he said, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. So for the birth of Isaac, he was able to look back and he was able to say God was the God who called out to life that which was not, that which was dead. And then the other aspect was with his son Isaac. And Hebrews talks about and looks back again at how Abraham responded, could have responded to that. And he said, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise Isaac from the dead. So this is not something that that God does one off, or you know, are you sure God can really do this? No, it, 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 it is a character, it's an attribute of God, his ability, his power to be able to resurrect situations and deliver people when situations are absolutely dead. We see that in the Red Sea, when they are running away from the Egyptians, God opens up the sea. We see that in the wilderness, when, God, when the people are there and there's no food and food falls out from the heavens. We see that in Jericho, when the walls come tumbling down. We see that in the fiery furnace, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go in and it's, it's death. This is the end. But yet God's able to deliver them out of that. 
And it all culminates, it all culminates in the power of the resurrection. And we celebrate that today. We celebrate Jesus who came here, who died, who lived, who died, and was risen from the dead. As Mark spoke this morning, he said it would have been futile. But we see God's power in his resurrection as he brought Jesus from the dead. And as we celebrate Easter today, we celebrate three things. We celebrate, number one, that Christ rose from the dead. This was the past. It was an event. We celebrate his defeat over death. We come here and we celebrate the future. We celebrate that one day all of us and all those who have died will be risen again and we'll be, in the, we'll be resurrected. All our bodies will be resurrected and we will meet Christ again. And Paul talks about that. He says, regarding the power of God, he has delivered from such a deadly peril, the past. He talks about it in the future. He will deliver us again and he will do that. But Paul goes on not stopping there and he says, on him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As Mark was sharing, I said, you know, you're almost preaching my sermon uh, this morning, but that's the truth. That's the, the message that Christ's resurrection power is not just for the past, which was there when he rose up. It's not just for the future when all of us, but it's also for the present. It's also for the present. We live in between two great events of the past and the future resurrection how the God who raises the dead outworks his power. But it's not just these creeds that we respond on a Sunday or we talk about it. Jesus was raised from the dead and we will be raised, but he also talks about it today. The power of God to deliver exists for us to access today. That God outworks his deliverance from dead situations, dire circumstances, even today in the present. We do not just remember the resurrection and await its outworking. We celebrate Easter and the resurrection today. And that is something we need to just allow it to get into us. Because we need to be reminded of this. Over the last two years, um, we've been through a phase where we've gone almost into survival mode. You know, let's just get through this. Let's just get through this. Let's just get through this. In India, I was just seeing that there were about 43 million COVID cases right through uh, this time. I would double that uh, you know, in terms of actual cases that would have been there. There were about 500,000 deaths uh, that were registered for COVID. And so things got really bad. We often look back at the, at the first two waves, which were the worst waves. And we say the first wave was a wave of numbers. The second wave was a wave of names. Because every day, every single day, and I am not exaggerating, I was just one pastor, one church leader in one small church in Bangalore, part of one family, receiving updates every day of people who were of praying for families who had just lost someone or someone who's in the ICU battling for death. You know, so it was a daily experience. So you don't go in the morning in your quiet times and praying, say, Lord, help me for today, you know, let the day go well, and you pray for my children. No, it, every morning was a battlefield. You know, God, please heal this person. Get him out. Get him out of the ICU. Comfort this family. And there were families who lost their husbands with two small children, families who lost their mothers, and the father lost with three children who just gave birth to a third child. And it was difficult. Just going through that, that second wave, just going through that situation. And we just sort of survived. The cases were increasing, and then each one had their own issues, managing family, managing kids at home, managing money, dealing with the situation, and it was difficult. You know, you almost became numb. 
Uh, I know my own mental health had severe issues. My own anxiety increased tremendously. There were moments I just couldn't, I found myself being numb. And it was difficult. And when we go through a, 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 a situation like this over a long period of time, sometimes we just learn how to live with it. Sometimes we just learn how to survive through it. Let's just get through it, you know. And we often draw so much on the comfort and the grace of God that we can't sometimes forget that God also is a God who has the power to deliver us and take us out of these situations. Sharing a, a story from my own life. Uh, my parents married way back in 1985. Uh, my mom didn't know what she was into when she got married to my dad. Um, he thought she was just, he, she thought he was just a social drinker. Uh, but soon after she got married, uh, things got pretty worse. Uh, I found out that my dad was actually, she found out my dad was, a, was an alcoholic, uh, and it kept increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. Uh, things got really, really hard back at home. Uh, my mom was the only breadwinner. She didn't need to actually continue living, but she had to continue staying. And this is something different between possibly the two cultures. She had to stay with my dad because if she left him, then society would look down upon her and look down upon our family. So we grew up with this with, with a dad who was a wonderful dad. I mean, I loved him. He was a good friend. We enjoyed our company. He would take me for cricket matches. We would have fun. Uh, but at the same time, there were nights that were difficult. Every night got difficult. My mom was a, was a night nurse, so she would go to the hospital in the night and leave the two of us, me and my little sister, back home with my dad. And most nights, the alcohol was flowing. And he was drunk. He would shout. He would scream. He would beat us up. I would rather have my mom not be at home, because every time she did take an off and stay at home, uh, it would be a fight. Uh, things got pretty bad. I still remember, I can you know, witness a moment where the fight was so hard that my mom poured gasoline over herself and had a flame of matches in her hand ready to say, if you, do, if you, if you raise your hand on me, I'm going to do this. Uh, and so as a 10-year-old, it was hard <laughs> to kind of witness all of this situation and trying to figure this whole situation out. We were known as the, the children of the alcoholic. Uh, sometimes we would walk by, past the road, and my, I remember a shopkeeper asked me, where's your dad fallen today? Uh, and so it was a difficult phase, you know, getting through that whole period uh, in life. Uh, and for me, as a young person, we weren't part of a church. We were part of a, a Catholic church that we went to just, just, you know, just for the sake of it. We were, we were going there. And for me, uh, I was willing to figure out any possible reason to have my dad stop drinking. I watched Aladdin once as a young boy, and I said, if a genie ever came to me, the first thing I will ask him is, you know, get my dad to stop drinking. Uh, someone told me, if your eyelash falls down, you know, you put it on your, on your thing and you blow it out and you can make a wish. Uh, I said, if I did that and if an eyelash fell on me, I think I blew it to God. And I, I would just say, no, let my dad stop drinking. Um, things got pretty hard back at home. In fact, there was one time when I would have been about 13 years old when it actually reached its worst. Uh, there would be money lenders coming to our home because my dad wasn't earning, so there were these people who would come in because he was borrowing money. And so things actually got really, really bad. And my dad came to terms with the fact that, you know, this, there's no point him continuing. So he disappeared. He disappeared for a few days. Uh, when he, afterwards, we got to know that uh, it was around March, on, on the 8th of March, two, in the year 2000, was when that night he got himself absolutely drunk, silly. He went, um, I don't, you can't see that picture here, but he went to a, a, a beach late at night, about 1 o'clock in the night. Um, and I remember before that, 
uh, I was entering into my 10th grade, and, my, and, and in India, the 10th grade and the 12th grade are very, very big exams. Uh, you know, everyone, it kind of determines where you go in your, in your college life and university. So I remember once sitting one night with him uh, and asking him, uh, again, it was, it's all I could think of. And I said, you know, Dad, this is a difficult year. It's going to be an important year for me. Uh, studies are going to be hard. Can you just take a break from drinking for one year? You know, just one year, can you take a break from drinking? And he was obviously drunk. He didn't quite figure it out. Maybe that stayed with him. But going back to March 8, 2000, he was absolutely sloshed, uh, you know, and he decided he's not a good father, he's not a good husband, uh, what's the point of living? So at about 1 o'clock in the night, he goes to the beach in Mumbai, and he starts walking into the sea uh, to end his life. And as he is walking, and this is what he, 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 he told us, that he was walking, he suddenly heard a voice. He heard a voice that told him, his name is, his name is Joseph, uh, but I mean, most of his friends called him Josie. Uh, and so he heard a voice saying, Josie, turn back. Uh, and he, I mean, it was strong enough at 1 o'clock in the night to be in a completely drunk state to be able to hear a voice. And he had water, he said, you know, walked up right up to here. He turned around and started walking back, back home. He came back home early that morning. We had not seen him for three days. Uh, my sister and I were managing for a, a couple of days in the night. And then one morning we see him. But there was something different about him. Uh, he came back, and he said when he woke up that morning, he, for the first time in 25 years, he never had the urge to drink. In fact, he felt like he had never drunk before. Amazingly, for the next couple of days, he didn't even have any withdrawal symptoms. And something happened to him that night. God just came, and it was not the grace of God, you know, that kind of sustained, you know, you can manage, you can fight. It wasn't the comfort, come on, you can get through this, I'll be with you. No, it was the power of God. It was the power of God that took him out and delivered him out from that situation. 22 years now, one month, and about 10 days, he has not touched a drop of alcohol since then. And God came in the most amazing way and, and delivered a family who was possibly going down, you know, possibly experiencing a dead situation and came and rescued us. The God who raises the dead, the power of God. This morning, if you are here and you wonder, you know, what significance does the resurrection of Christ have 2,000 years in my life? 2,000 years ago, he came. Yes, he's no longer there. We celebrated year after year. It's the day I come to church twice in a year. You know, and you, and you wonder, is that all that's there? No, I want to tell you from my own life that I have witnessed that the power of God to raise the dead is true even today. And if you are in a situation this morning, my friend, where you feel it's all dead, I want you to call out to God and say, God, deliver me from this situation. Deliver me from this situation. But there's a second part to this story. Because there are some of us here who are quite, you know, we're not going through that difficult. We would have gone through it in the past, we, but we're not going through that sort of a difficult situation today. Uh, and that sort of talks about the next and the final verse of this and the role of the rest of us as a church in how we contribute and how we involve ourselves in this power that God calls us. And it's through the power of prayer. He said, for those, as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on your behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers 
of many. There's a second part to this story, uh, which I only got to know a few uh, you know, days or months later. Uh, my dad and my mom were married in a Christian church, uh, but they left that church. And after about 15 years, the pastor of that church happened to see my dad walking uh, on the street. Uh, it was around the same time in, in the year 2000, about Feb, March. And he saw him and he thought, uh, you know, this guy looks bad. <laughs> he, he really looks, really looks bad. And so he went back home and they had a small group that would meet every week, uh, like a life group. And one of the things that the church had told them to do is to make a list of 10 people who they would pray for regularly uh, every time they meet, every day. So he added my dad's name to that list. He just added my dad's name to that list. And as a group, they would pray for him every day. Uh, he would pray for them and they would just keep praying for this person. You know, after 15 years, he just happened to see him and he added him to that list and started praying for him. Then the church leader told uh, those who were praying, he said, why don't you take it to the next step? And uh, why don't you pray that God gives you an opportunity to go and meet with this person? Uh, you know, just engage with him. Uh, and so this, this, this pastor who, was my, who married my parents and now was the, the group uh, leader, he's actually my father-in-law now. Uh, and yeah, yeah that's, that's, that, that was the purpose of this whole story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, he happens to be riding his scooter uh, down uh, the road. And he just said, you know, why don't I just go and visit and go and meet him? Just out of faith, you know, just he said, I'll just take a cold call, just take out of the dark, I'll just go. He didn't know where he, he, where he lived. He knew the area. So this man, uh, the pastor, he comes there and he just happens to visit uh, and he comes there in the middle of our veranda in the area of our society and starts shouting out my dad's name. You know? <laughs> and he comes, he starts shouting, Josie, Josie. And then suddenly, we've never experienced this before, someone coming you know, and doing that. And then he comes back. And um, now it's been, a, it's been a couple of days since my dad has been back after this whole event has taken place. Uh, and my dad comes and tells me, oh, a friend of mine has just come. I'm just going to go out with him. And my head is like, oh, gosh. You know, two days finally of, you know, no alcohol. Now there's another friend of his come to take him out to drink again. But fortunately, it wasn't that sort of a friend. Uh, he was this pastor who came and he said, we've been praying for you. Uh, Jesus still loves you. Come back to the church. Uh, and so there was this church, there was this group of people who were praying for my dad and us as a family right parallelly during this time when God met with my dad and delivered him. So if, you know... I could do an exegetical um, um, explanation of these verses, the background and the context, but I want to say I, I have experienced this power in my life. I want to say that I've experienced the truth of this. So as a church, sometimes we may not actually have, be, maybe going through a situation where everything's falling off or the burdens are too much, but we may know of someone. We may know of someone. Maybe they've not yet even known Jesus. We may know of someone who is going through this time. Even as we prayed for Yemen, you know, every time there will be people over there who are going through struggles far beyond their ability. And let's not be uninformed about these things. As we come together as a church, I want us to remember that, yes, we will pray for the comfort that God would help them sustain. Yes, we will pray that God gives them the grace to manage and the strength. But let's not forget to constantly pray that God's power would deliver them even now. Let's not forget to pray that God's power. So for those of us who are here sitting, I want to inject in your prayers this faith to believe in the power of God who resurrected Jesus from the dead, whose power 
is in us through his Holy Spirit and whose power is going to resurrect all of us in the future um, as we make our prayers, as we call out to God, as we pray for others and celebrate Easter this morning. Christ is risen. Amen. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we come before you this morning and we, and we rejoice that we are not coming to a God whose power ends with death. We are not coming to a God whose power reduces as difficulties increase. We come to a God who has the power, who has delivered in the past, who has delivered us, will deliver us in the future, and who continues to deliver us. And in you, we put our hope. And thank you, Lord, that you've given us a way to access that power through our prayer, through the prayers that we make in your name. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus, as we worship you, as we celebrate your resurrection in the past and the future, but even today, the God who raises the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.